0: Welcome to Mom and Doc Talk, a podcast for health-conscious parents, where you get the perspective of a mom and a dad who's also a pediatrician and pediatric emergency physician. Instead of Googling your way through parenting and hoping for the best, get trusted guidance and be the empowered, savvy, and decisive parent you know you can be. Sleep easy when you follow advice tested by doctors and tried by moms and dads. Here are your mom and dad hosts, Dr. Christopher Haynes and Azure Sullivan.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Mom and Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Chris.
2: And Azure Sullivan is here.
1: Today, we're going to talk a little bit about something that honestly, a lot of people don't talk about. We're going to try to be a little unfiltered and raw. We're going to talk about understanding what pregnancy is like for the expecting mom and dad. Um, I am not an OB. a pediatric ER doctor, so we're not going to talk about delivery. We'll do that with some experts later, but this should be everything you need to know um, as that expecting mom or dad. So Azure, you know, you see those two blue lines on that test. What are you thinking? How did it change your life?
2: Uh, first, you don't even, before I even get to the two blue lines, it's like, oh, maybe I just missed my period this couple days and it's gonna come anytime I know it or uh and then you decide, oh I well, I'm getting acne all over my face. I don't usually do that, or I have it on my back this time. That's gross. Uh this is really weird. Oh my boobs really hurt. Uh and then one thing leads to another and you're like, maybe I should probably get a pregnancy test. And just a note out there, uh this wasn't like a superiorly planned pregnancy it was just kind of like a happening pregnancy you know letting it go it was just having fun kind of thing and um so I was not in my head thinking oh I should be keep up with my checking pregnancy and uh you know getting all those tests and being prepared I was just kind of letting it happen so um anyway I go to the store you know what, what brand do I even pick right so you go to the the most common one which I think is the Uh, the EPT and uh, they're expensive by the way so use them wisely and you take it home and drink a lot of water and there are the two blue lines for a moment you're thinking uh I'm gonna do the second test and then you're like wait a minute these are like $12 a test so hold on a second I was feeling all this rush of all these emotions all of a sudden like it went really positive. Like, I am so happy. This is really awesome. This is amazing. A lot of people try for many years and this doesn't even happen to them one time. And this is, I'm really blessed. This is amazing. I can't wait to tell everybody. And then I started going into like, well, I I should probably get another job. I want to make more money. Uh, Let's just say goodbye to my summer and traveling. And uh, I'm probably going to get fat too. So, Uh, Then it just turned into this long list of a lot of fears instead of all these happy thoughts, which is totally expected and it's okay because we're just trying to have the best for this unborn child.
1: So you talk about these fears. What were these fears that you had, Azure?
2: You know, alongside all these questions that I had for myself, I, you know, the emotions going through my brain, just thinking. well, what do I do next? Who do I even call? Do I like call my doctor and just say, Hey, I'm pregnant. Can I come in? Can you see me? Then what's after that? Like, how do I know if this baby's healthy? Uh, what do I do? I don't, you know, just a lot of uncertainty and a lot of just like, you know, this wonderful thing's happening, but why do I feel all these kind of weird, almost kind of negative emotions? So it's, it's troublesome in the beginning, especially when you're the only one that knows
1: so really good question and I have to ask this. So how did you tell dad?
2: Oh, well, that's a really good question. I mean, some people they're just like rushing down the steps with their tests in their hand going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Or other people, it didn't. they didn't expect this at all. So they're like, oh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Uh, I was super excited, but I was also really nervous to tell him because, uh at the time he was kind of going through a rough patch so I wanted to put this in a very positive environment so I first told my mom actually and um so she was more than ecstatic and she knew this was coming and uh uh so you know I, I told my husband like you know a week later hey let's go out to dinner and let's just hang out let's just chill right and um you know put him in an open public environment so he has to have this positive reaction so we went out to dinner and I kind of just unloaded during you know the hors d'oeuvres and I was like oh by the way yeah so everything's going great and I'm pregnant and uh you know and he was super super happy I didn't really expect it at the time because he was just kind of feeling you know a little down the jumps but uh it it went super well and I was like wow okay this is going to be really easy then
1: Tell me what you liked and what you didn't like about that first trimester. Were there things that were bad? And then after that, I really want to talk about how you picked your OB and what your first visit was like with your OB.
2: Well, uh, I'm going to say that everyone's probably thinking it. I'm going to say is that morning sickness and that really creeps up on you. And for those who don't have this, uh, Whoever, you know, you prayed to that it didn't happen to you, this is that is a wonderful thing. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that it doesn't happen to you. But it's like feeling nausea all the time is like the worst thing. It's like you almost would rather anything else at that very moment. I'll also say it was just, it was so awful, awful. You know, I felt it coming around six weeks, which is on the relatively early side of things. From what I heard, Uh, my mom was blessed with continual morning sickness through all of her pregnancies. And that just really gave me a really positive outlook of um, being, uh, hopefully not being sick the entire time I was pregnant. So I was really concerned.
1: So what were the things that helped you? when you had morning sickness and what didn't help and what would you do different?
2: I I always got car sick anyway. So in the past, I'd just take like a Dramamine or something to alleviate like the ginger for car sickness, but because you're pregnant, you can't take that. So I reached out and I got a prescription for what's called Zofran. And you have to keep in mind that again, going back to the Uh, the motion sickness pills like you can't have them when you're pregnant so there's different classes of pills that you can take that are safe for your kids so make sure you talk to your OB about that but so I got some Zofran and uh, it was supposed to be the wonderful magical nausea medication for when you're pregnant so I uh, sent it in to my my pharmacy and I got a denial Mm -hmm. letter, letter from my insurance company saying that I didn't need it and the pharmacist was t- telling me, he's like, oh, this happens all the time. And I'm like, well, what the heck am I supposed to do then? I'm just vomiting my brains out. I'm probably going to need fluids. And I'm just going down this rabbit hole of things. And I was vomiting, you know, like minimum 9, 10 times a day. And so he said, you know, you can have this, uh, this, uh, the, these pills called Unisom and in combination with, I think, vitamin B12 and he said there's you know there's something in there there was a chemical in there that uh mixed with everything in this concoction it actually really reduces nausea dramatically It may not get rid of it entirely but you may just be have like a mild headache or something along those lines so i was taking that you know around the clock and uh, of course throwing up was still like you know a concern and i couldn't even brush my teeth because my gag reflex was so enhanced i didn't even know this was a symptom so just so you know gag reflexes will be like you can't even get anything near your mouth uh, so brushing my teeth I'm like yeah my my teeth are definitely gonna rot out of my head after this this is gonna be great but so I was taking the unison I was taking this vitamin b and uh, after some time it really did work and I was on a ritual about it and it, it was it was great uh but eating crackers uh taking Ensure, like drinking those drinks, vegetable drinks, something to get vitamins and 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 the right nutrition nutrients in my body was really important. So I was doing those drinks and it wasn't solid food. So I felt like it wasn't going to irritate my stomach as much. And uh, it was working. It was working and I was getting through. And, you know, going back to when I found out I was pregnant, I was kind of searching for other jobs. And that's how I kind of came about being a physical, uh, uh, professional organizer. And I was doing job interviews and throwing up in between, and they had no idea I was pregnant at the time. So I was just like pretending like crazy, like, oh yeah, I'm feeling fine, everything is great. And then I would go to the bathroom to have a break, and then I would throw up like profusely and then come back out pretending like everything was fine.
1: So we talked a little bit about, and thanks, honestly, as a guy, I can't even imagine. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that perspective in a little bit, but how did you pick your OB?
2: That is a good question. I mean, I was already going to a gynecologist who was an OB, so that was easy. I was already really comfortable with her, and it seemed to just work out because not all gynecologists have OBs or are OBs. So just keep in mind about that. And yeah, she was amazing. So I had already had the you know the two birds with one stone situation, so I was pretty thankful about that. Also, just keep in mind you know insurances. If you're changing insurances or, you know, certain things are covered, not others, just just keep in mind about that kind of stuff and make sure they're up to date with the newest stuff associated with your insurance. And uh, it should be good. But yeah, so she was she was wonderful and amazing, made me feel super comfortable. So I knew everything was going to be great.
1: Other questions about first trimester. What other body changes did you feel? What other things were changing during that time period?
2: Uh, aside from the acne, you know, my skin was getting more dry, so I don't know what the heck these people are talking about feeling glowing. I was so bloated. I was constipated The f- like the first few weeks, like the first, know, I'd say like five weeks after I found out I was pregnant, it was like bloat city, so constipated, so then I was like buying anything I could possibly get my hands on to just alleviate that. Uh, and I, they don't tell you this. They don't. I don't talk to my girlfriends, and they say, oh, yeah, I was constipated. Like, that just doesn't come up. And I was trying to take some things to just make me feel better with my nausea, and it, actually, my hair was feeling fine. I know some people say that their hair falls out a lot during pregnancy, and my hair was fine. Um, again, my skin, I just felt like total garbage, total shit, and it was... My body felt like it was just kind of drying up, so I didn't really have any, like, discharge. It's like what you normally do through the the weeks of a normal menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. It was like – I mean, I didn't get my period, so that was nice. But I was concerned about gaining weight when I first found out, right? Like, oh, this is going to be like – I'm just going to put on 20 pounds, like, no issue. But um, it's really slow to gain weight in the beginning. You put on a lot of your weight – later on in the second and third trimester, which is funny. But the, so far, I didn't really experience any weight gain. I just felt bloated and full all the time. But yeah, my boobs really hurt, like couldn't even barely wear a bra. They were so sensitive. I mean, before I was pregnant, I I only had mild breast tenderness when, when I was going through my cycle. But After I was pregnant, my boobs were so, so sensitive. So I, you know, talk about my side of the story. Dr. Chris, you've been through this in in a similar situation on the other side of the fence. So why don't you enlighten me or us about your perspective? How were you told? How, you know, did you go to these doctor's appointments? What is, how did you feel on the hormonal aspect of everything going on?
1: Um, I think as a dad, you know, or a a soon-to-be new dad, it's different from the first to the second. My second, it was very different, but my first...
2: You just stay out of the way.
1: Yeah, I (laughs) I also royally screwed up. Um, I remember getting pregnancy tests from the emergency department, and I don't think I really understood at the time one line versus two lines. And I would bring urine with me and test it. And I made a mistake and realized it after the fact that she was pregnant and probably knew before she did. And I told her a week and a half later, and that was totally on me. And I heard about that for quite a while, but you know, I think as a dad, you really want to be supportive and you really don't know what to do. And for me, what worked was trying to go to the visits and listening. Um, Was I perfect at it? Absolutely not. From my perspective, there weren't the same issues there didn't have the issue about changing jobs um didn't have as many fears i think there was a lot of positive that went along with it um i was worried am i going to have a healthy baby Um, and i unfortunately went through a pregnancy where we lost a baby so i was very scared about that and that's something i'm sure all moms and dads have is my child going to be healthy and from my perspective you know we didn't really have to deal with morning sickness so the Polar opposite of Azure, and we really didn't have a lot of changes or a lot of things that are really we talked about. It was pretty easy. Um, We did struggle to find an OB, and you know we looked for lots of OBs. We did interviews with OBs to find out what we liked. Was it male? Was it female? Uh, My partner. Liked female OBs. So it's going to be different for each person. And I think what's really, really important from a dad perspective is just be there, be supportive. And from picking out that OB, it's someone that you have to be comfortable with. There's lots of visits and you're going to be in a potentially stressful situation, whether it's a vaginal delivery or a C-section or whatever happens along the way. It's someone that you want to communicate with well and have them communicate back.
2: And might I add... The dad picking up a couple saltine crackers once in a while and some of that ensure.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, My job was always to go downtown and get Chinese food. (laughs) Um, And I remember at the time hopping on a train, taking the train all the way downtown to get Vietnamese and Chinese food. So it's different for each person. And it's kind of like your kid. Each kid's different. Each pregnancy is a little different. There's a lot of my perspective but tell me what it was like and i'm an er doc so i was working lots of shifts i did my best to attend all the doctor's visits um what was it like for your doctor visits in the first trimester
2: well aside from needing a bathroom every five minutes of vomiting uh i mean it was really exciting because you're like oh this is like i get to see the heartbeat i get to see an ultrasound of this fetus and it's you know this is awesome right technology what has it brought us you know it's it's amazing and you know the, you know you go through the whole like what's your blood pressure what's your weight right and i'm just like waiting for that day that my weight starts to they start moving that little square thing up the scale like 10 5 pounds you know uh, but it was pretty you know they made you feel really Well, my OB made me feel really comfortable and it was just more of like the excitement rising up to the second trimester. So I actually only went to one of my doctor's appointments with my husband. He only came to when when we wanted to find out if we were having a boy or girl. So I went to them primarily alone. And all my friends were so like, what? I can't believe it. He should be there with you, supporting you, all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, be realistic about it. I mean, we both have jobs, and I'm already taking time out of my job to come to this appointment. Why would I make him do that? That was just my perspective at the time. And I was totally okay with it. Like, and I'd share him, you know, with him videos and pictures and tell him about it. And he was more than happy to do that. I mean, if I had asked him to come, he would have definitely obliged. But I was just like, why, why would I make you come to all these appointments? And it's a lot of appointments. It's a lot of appointments. And, you know, there is these, the, the talk about maybe FaceTime or Skype with your partner if you can't have them there sometimes doctors will get weird about, like, I remember when I found out if I was having a boy or girl, they were like, oh, you can't take any videos or pictures. Um, and it's like, well, why? Uh, so it's just, it really depends on the per like your OB and your location. But for the most part, I think they'll be okay with a general checkup appointment and have, in case they have questions that maybe you didn't think about. So uh, I think that they'll be okay with, you facetiming or skyping or some other video chatting to to have them be part of this appointment
1: yeah i agree with the whole skype or or facetime facetime certainly a little more appropriate these days and i'm an old guy this stuff wasn't around when i was having my first child yeah that was an understatement yeah thanks (laughs) um let's talk a little bit about second trimester and let's start with you know what really changed with your body you know i know Women are really concerned, (laughs) and you know you hear all these things. People having mommy makeovers afterward, and you know, how did you eat? What did you do to take care of your body? What were the changes that went on?
2: Well, second trimester was where it all happened. Uh, I felt at the time my hopes and my dreams were leaving me. It was just one thing after another. No, I really had a really great pregnancy. Other than the morning sickness and the you know being lethargic. But it was like, of course, now the weight is starting to pick up. I am actually a really, really naturally energized person. And I'm constantly moving. I never sit down. So this was really easy for me to just keep going, keep going and push through it. Whereas other people I've met, they just say, you know, I'm tired, I'm sitting. And that's okay. That's definitely okay. Uh, I will say, you know, further into my my second trimester, my knees down were just killing me. And my job at the time, I was standing a lot and it was just like I'd almost, you know, uh, you know, throw out someone of their chair and be like, I need to sit down. Like my legs are killing me. But, you know, just taking breaks and knowing your limits is really important and staying active and pushing through it and just knowing that you are being healthier and your your baby is going to be healthier, knowing that, you know, it really reduces stress. <clears throat> And I just stayed active. I actually was going to the gym all the time, and I mean, stairmaster and lifting weights at the same time. You know, uh, squats and you know, chest press, all those things. And people are so afraid. Like, can I? Can I work out when I'm pregnant? Absolutely. Like, I, you need to keep moving and keep your heart pumping, and you feel so much better.
1: Definitely, though, I'm sure you talked to your doctor about doing that before you did it. And it's really important as a doc that make sure you talk to your doctor because there are some times where you're not able to do that.
2: Oh, absolutely. Especially if you have a condition, some underlying thing that is affecting your pregnancy or, you know, you really need to pay attention. So, um, of course, definitely reach out to your OB and make sure everything's okay. And once you get that okay, definitely ask, you know, if there are any limits you do need to have but for me i was just i was going for it i was going for it. i was doing crazy stuff and um you know gaining weight wasn't what i really wanted they told me oh you're really small you should be gaining like 30 pounds and i'm like no I'm not doing that.
1: And you didn't eat for two?
2: <laughs> I think I ate like maybe a fistful more of food. But then I got to a point where I was so full of a baby. I just was not hungry for the longest time. And I got so much crap for it. Like, oh, aren't you eating? And I'm just like, I, I can't. I just physically cannot fit anything in my body. This kid is taking up so much space. But my every time I went into get my weight chat, they're like, oh, you only gained like three pounds. You should be gaining like 10 at this point. And I'm thinking, well, you know, eh, I, th- I think I'm just going to keep it on the low end of the spectrum, you know, and it, I had this back and forth with my OB for the longest time about me gaining weight because I only gained 17 pounds my entire pregnancy and I was really small. And, uh, but I definitely, you know, I ate really, really well.
1: It uh, sounds like you took care of yourself. Yeah,
2: I, I'm a really healthy eater as it is. You know, it's the kale, it's the sweet potatoes and the all that, you know, exercising. Um, I remember I had gone to the gym in just a sports bra and shorts because I couldn't fit into my, my leggings anymore. So I just had my belly hanging out at the gym. And these two girls approached me and they're like, I want to look like you when I'm pregnant and have your energy. And I'm like, sweetheart, this is really hard right now. But I'm pushing through it. But I feel better at the end of the day that i did it and i feel great about my body when i'm like showing it off like i wasn't gonna hide it
1: so we can't tell that you have a lot of energy azure at all i'm sure the (sighs) listeners can't tell either when you were in that second trimester you know first trimester not a lot of changes but second trimester with all these changes happening did you have sex what was sex like was it different and I'm sure for someone that's having their first baby and expecting, they're thinking, oh, God, it's over. And I'm never going to sleep again. I'm never going to have sex again. What was it like?
2: You know, going back to the first trimester, I don't think I had any sexual thought in my brain. And I had told my husband at the time, I was like, listen, I'm like throwing up all the time. I, you know, and he's like, no, I definitely understand. And I was like, okay, so I I cannot assist any part of that. Um, but the second trimester when everything was more under control and I wasn't throwing up as much, it was like, oh, I'm really interested. But I, don't, I mean, there are some women that were like, oh, I'm way more, may, way more sexually active when I'm pregnant, and I just felt like a whale, you know. I felt full and heavy and not sexy. I mean, I still did it, but it is troublesome finding comfortable positions. It's troublesome like – do I even wear something I can't even fit into it I you know how do I make this interesting but make it different uh if I'm on top I mean am I gonna squish you like am I squishing the baby there's always that thought of you know is this gonna negatively affect this fetus because you're doing this and then some people have that concern of oh it's gonna induce labor so uh it was quite an interesting roller coaster of trial and error. I'll say that.
1: No pun intended with no. the roller coaster.
2: Uh, uh, yeah.
1: I would. I would say that. Um, that's really a fear of guys. Am I going to induce labor? Am I going to hurt?
2: Oh yeah. And sometimes it's a turnoff. They're like, oh, I don't, should I touch it? Should I touch your stomach? Do I hold the stomach? It's like, it's not, it's not, it's not brain surgery here. Just go with the flow.
1: Yeah. I think as a guy that's, you know, you're, you have wants and needs and it's something that you need to really have a conversation with your partner about and really ask your OB if it's okay, just like exercise um, as everyone's a little bit different. Um, but certainly, from my perspective, it was enjoyable. Um, I never felt like I was getting squished. Um, we always found the right positions. Um, but something that I thought was really important to talk about as we talk about the si- second trimester—tell me a little bit about sleeping and how that changed.
2: Oh God! First of all, guys, I don't sleep that much. I actually—shocker. Yeah, I I actually have a really bad sleepwalking and sleep talking issue. It, it's hilarious, and then it's not, but. Uh, so I didn't really sleep that much to begin with, and I know it's bad. I need to figure that out, And um, but uh, I can go off of, like, two minutes of sleep, and I could go, like, a whole week, so that's where the energy comes from. I don't know where it comes from, but it's there. So sleeping, though, so now I, I like sleeping on my side, sometimes on my stomach, and that was a complete, like, you can't do that anymore. Like, it, you're either a back sleeper or a, a kind of a side sleeper, so... Towards the end of the second trimester, it got way worse because my back was killing me. Like I felt like someone was putting their knee in my back and pulling my shoulders backwards and pushing, like being bent in half. Your back just hurts all the time. And stretching really helps. So even if you're in bed, I was doing like leg stretches, laying on my back and pulling my knee towards my chest. I mean, the closest that I could get it to. And that really helped, but nothing is going to alleviate it. And I had outlined myself in pillows all in my bed. I almost had to sleep some nights in a different bedroom because I needed like eight pillows behind me, two pillows behind, you know, under my knees, one in front of me, holding this bulging stomach. And it's like, oh God, I just took 20 minutes to do that. And now I have to pee. I was peeing so much. So there's no sleeping there either. But I felt towards the end, actually, the couch was my best partner. Like, I was like, I can't, I can't wait to sleep on this couch. Like, I get my best sleep, you know, at 25, 30 weeks, you know, on this couch. So that's kind of where I hung out was the couch. But you have to find where that is for you, like, what works for you. But sometimes I'd have my husband, I was like, can you just put this extra pillow? And he's like, well, that's the only other, there are no burn pillows in the house, I don't know how to help you anymore. Um, So, I mean, but that got me through the days. And it's, you know, it's a lot of laughs now. But then it was just like, if I only I had five minutes of sleep, I'd be so happy right now.
1: The first trimester with pouring vomit out of your mouth and now pee, God, it had to be horrible. And we all, as guys, are like, you know, A, we don't want to have to thank God we don't have to go through a period.
2: I mean, you know, that's, I think back to all this is that I actually had a relatively great pregnancy. That's the funny thing.
1: I get it. Like, this is, we all are, you know what? I'm glad we don't have to go through this. We don't go through those changes. Um, Even as an ER doctor. I mean,
2: if only men could give birth, this this would be fantastic.
1: I know. And there are simulators, and I've been in one where you, you know, you put a bodysuit on and you figure out what it's like to feel, you know, heavier and not be able to walk and feel the pain in your hips, but it's still not the same. And I remember as a doc, I was always curious, what's it feel like? And I used to get, you know, my head ripped off when I would say it because you're never really going to experience it. And it's unfortunate.
2: Walking the, up the steps has its a new meaning now.
1: So when did you hear about sex of the baby?
2: Yeah, about 20 weeks, which is about five months and super exciting time like everybody's like oh you should just get the blood test and you'll find out sooner because now there's a blood test to find out the sex of the baby and i'm like why would i i mean yeah some people can't wait they just can't stand that not knowing and they need to know but i love surprises and i was like i want to know i'll wait until they do the ultrasound and i'll wait i'm excited but i really want to wait so I, i this was again i told you guys like My husband came with me to one appointment, and this was the appointment. So he came super hilarious because, you know, they checked the length of the bones of the baby. They're checking the growth. And, you know, um, as they're doing this, I can already see the sex of the baby. I'm like, I already know it's a girl because I I was looking at where – like, I'm no uh, ultrasound person, but I knew exactly what they were looking at. And I was like, yeah, I think that's a girl. And um, he was really rooting for a boy. Actually, I was, too, for a while. But Why is that? Why? Uh, Because you think like, oh, I think a lot of it was passing on the name. He was the last one in his family. So there was a lot of pressure on him to have a boy, which, you know, it's sad. But there was that that pressure first. what What about you? I wanted a boy because I thought boys would be easy. Like, I don't want a girl so she can have periods and boobs and get pregnant and all these hormones and girl mom fights. I was like, I just don't want that. I knew how it was when I was little. And I have two sisters. And it was just too much, too much girl. So I was like, having a boy would be really great and a breath of fresh air. So it would be nice. And his family, my husband's family had a lot of girls in it too. So he was really rooting for a boy. And I already knew, and I was smirking. And he's like, uh, "This is gonna be it, right?" And the, the, you know, the technician said, "Yeah, you're having a girl." And he, I had not seen him that disappointed. He came out of the room, and I'm like, "This is awesome. We know." And he's like, "Yeah," and he could just see this disappointment on his face. And I'm like, "Are you serious? This baby's healthy. It's great. Like, you know?" And he's like, "I know. I am happy, but." <laughs> And, of course, it's easier for Dr. Chris to ask me why I wanted a boy more because he got a boy and a girl. So maybe you can enlighten us about.
1: Yeah, but that's not true. I got a girl first, and I honestly wanted a boy for very similar reasons. Um, You want to pass on the name. Um, It's kind of that machismo of passing it on. Um, I do have an older daughter and a younger son, and – the first time we heard about the sex of the baby, my partner, she didn't want to know. So I had kind of a back door where I knew the OB and I was given a very small envelope with a picture and he put a clue on there for me to figure it out. So I knew. And I talked to my partner and she's like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And this was right around 20 weeks. And we went week after week after week, and I was quiet. I didn't say anything. And she really wanted to find out at the delivery. And I made such a bad mistake. I remember getting to 40 weeks of pregnancy and we went to the OB and like, you're going to need to wait a week. We got to 41 weeks and they're like, you're going to need to wait a week. And I came out of that office angry. I was like, what the hell? Why is your daughter not coming out? And my partner looked at me and she's like, get out of the car, you're walking home. (laughs) It was so so. bad. And I had kept the secret from 20 to 42 weeks and we were overdue like a hard boiled egg. And I was (laughs) so, I made such a bad mistake. And to this day, I still hear about it. But finding out is amazing. And with our second, we found out and end up being a C-section. Well, well,
2: did you find out and keep the secret for the second one? Or did you find out right away? And you well,
1: I kind of ruined it the first time. So the second time through, she we both wanted to know. So we knew at 20 weeks. And we knew we were having a son at that point. And you know, then you're super excited because you've kind of hit the lottery. And you have one of each. You have a boy and a girl. And I'll go back to what you talked about. I actually think it's a trade-off. I'm a big believer that girls are easier when – or boys are easier when they're younger. Girls are a little more difficult when they're adolescents. But boys mature later and the girls come back to you really, really quickly.
2: That's because you're a dad and daddy's girl.
1: Yeah, probably. But, you know, the hormones equal in both – um clearly i had to deal with periods and other things and i will never forget my daughter coming to me and saying can you go get me a tampon and she called them <laughs> tampons for years and i'm like would you like a tampon and driving to the store for her and those conversations back and forth
2: mhm uh, i'll i'll say one thing i even though you know i knew and at the time you know my husband knew uh the sex of the baby we didn't tell anybody we said, we're going to keep this a secret. And then by the time the baby shower comes, we'll tell people. We'll have them guess and put a bed on it and uh, – uh, And
1: do the big reveal.
2: No, it wasn't like a big reveal. It was just like a small thing, you know, like pulling out like a pink onesie or something, right? Something very small, nothing big. Like everyone has the gender reveal parties now. We just had a baby shower and, you know, but we didn't tell anybody and everyone was like, oh my God, are you going to tell us? Are you going to tell us? And then, you know, if he went out with his friends or his, you know, his dad, his dad's like, well, I'm going to give you a couple shots of Jameson and I'm sure it'll come out some way, some way or other, but it didn't. And he didn't tell anybody and which I was so surprised because that guy can't, Like I can't keep secrets, so I and of course uh, things were like a little different because on you know sadly my my mother passed away before I could even remotely tell her so before my daughter was born so I was struggling with maybe I should just tell my close family members and I uh, and I did I told my two sisters at the time. After my mother passed away. So I had something to share with somebody at the time who was, you know, my family. And, uh, but otherwise, I really made everyone wait and I tortured them and I couldn't wait. And I would always use the words them and they. So for a long time, people thought I was having twins.
1: You got your pronouns. Messed yeah.
2: Up. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I was just making it so that, you know, uh, I I didn't slip and say he or she, you know. So it, it was, it was a like, really good like time. Like I did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: When you were going through that second trimester, I remember being a dad and you feel like this lump on a log. You feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't really know how to help. You know, it feels like my only job is to put cribs together and, you know, look at baby registries and it's kind of some of the mundane stuff. And, you know, you see your partner in front of you and, you know, this is probably not the best way to describe it, Um, but let's be transparent. You know, it's like someone that's a caterpillar that's becoming a butterfly in front of you they're changing every day um good and bad and changes how would you what are some things that you could tell a dad that would be better to support a mom in the second trimester third trimester
2: oh man that's like a genie coming to me and say what are your three wishes um,
1: so foot massages and massages all <laughs> yeah, day. Uh, d-
2: definitely. So honestly, as being the guy being more self-sufficient, and I'm not saying that to be sexist, like I was the, you know, I made dinner, I made lunches, I cleaned the house, I did all those things because it was my choice, and I really enjoyed doing those things. And I'm also the type of person that has a really hard time asking for help, so I was very strong-headed and being like, no, I can do this, right? Um, I really would encourage men to be or dads, you know, whomever other partners to say, you know, like I don't care, I'm going to help you with this or surprise them with, hey, I already cleaned the house, you didn't even think that you needed to think about it or let's order takeout instead of you cooking meals or just thinking that step ahead and saying like what are these duties that everyone needs to do or the adulting, I'd say, and just take them on without having to be asked. And just say, like, even if you have to write it down on paper, like, I will now do these things for you. Even if maybe give her a piece of paper and say, what can I do for you? And so you don't have to have to tell me more than once and I will remember. So having that option of being more self-sufficient, make your own lunch, make, you know, do this, right? Just one last thing for us to worry about because we're already going to the doctor's appointments. We're already scheduling things. We're, you know, we're peeing all the time. Our back is killing us. You know, maybe get some... heating pad or buy flowers once in a while and just say you know i still love you i'm still very attracted to you uh things like that and
1: it sounds like it's the root of communication
2: really yeah actually that's really what i was getting at is communication because if you don't talk about it there's going to be a lot of issues i think and a lot of hormones too are going on so like
1: just being understanding
2: Yeah, so maybe have like a safe word and say like...
1: Because we're such understanding (laughs) males. You know,
2: just say like, oh, if you think that she's being a little... I don't want to say aggressive, but a little too much to say, you know, hey, I think we need to pause and come back to this and agree upon it in another, you know, have a safe word and just say, we'll return to this. And it sounds easy, but in, 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 it sounds like it's easy and then it's not when it's actually happening and then it might well, escalate it's, it's things. not
1: easy when you're But not it's pregnant. just really
2: communication. I mean, I had a pregnant friend. She was like a, a bridezilla, but a, a momzilla kind of and I was like, hold on, like
1: why was she Momzilla?
2: Momzilla, like she was just like, well, I want this and I want that. And blah blah, you know, she's very, very like aggressive and forward and I was like, I think you need to appreciate him a little bit more than that. Like this is both of you, not just you, right? And as much as it is feels like just you, you have to be respectful too and, and control yourself to some degree. It's not an excuse to be mean or to be demanding. So I think just that level of communication is definitely very important, but also having that partner be more self-sufficient and say like, hey, I'm just going to do things for you. You don't even have to ask. And it could just be even just a breakfast sandwich or just, you know, some Gatorade or holding her hair in the toilet, you know, something and the little bit goes a long way. Because I always think like when I was pregnant, I'm like, oh, I wish he did this or I wish I did that. But I also didn't even say a lot of these things. So
1: that's why we're doing this. Right. Yeah.
2: I didn't say this.
1: You know, you've talked about when we've talked about podcasts, you've talked about, you know, this kind of like this mom's club. Right. You know, we've talked about, you know, your mom passed away. What did you used to hear when you tried to get some of these answers? And
2: oh, God, I hated the You'll see oh, you'll see. And I'm like, why can't you just tell me what your opinion is and tell me how you experienced X, Y, Z instead of, oh, just wait. You'll just wait. And I'm just like, what's this mom club about? Like, apparently something went wrong for you and you want me to experience it too so that you can be like, like basking in the, what is it? Uh, you know, misery loves company. And it's like, I don't – well, we want to tell other people so they have a better experience and a better understanding. And, you know, in some cultures, it's not even polite to talk about this stuff. Like sometimes the man is not allowed to know about these things. And, I mean, it depends on who you yeah, but are. But we're,
1: we're in 2022.
2: There No, there's different cultures that still – No, I,
1: I agree with you, but we hopefully can – tell people what yeah, this absolutely. is like a little unfiltered a little raw
2: yeah so I think you know going back to your question is the communication is really key say what you want and say what you don't want and have the other person be open-minded and say hey I'm gonna come halfway even if I don't want to do this I'll come halfway just something along those lines because it's really about dealing with your symptoms I don't want to say like it's cancer but your symptoms of pregnancy you know um and you have to deal with it to move forward and be a happier, healthier person. Yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, you know if you, if it needs to be you go down this road, you know there's lots of mental health specialists that are willing to help you, you and your partner. So your you're gonna gyneco- call your OB has lots of connections and you say, Hey, I'm feeling down, I'm not having I'm having trouble at home communicating, whatever the case may be, your OB has lots of connections for you to reach out to somebody to make this easier for you emotionally, mentally.
1: And there is couples coaching and there's mom coaching Absolutely. and dad coaching and all those things can certainly help you. It's a challenge. It can get coaching around organization and you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, prepping, right? And how do you get ready to bring the baby home? You know, do you have a delivery plan? We talked a little bit about, you know, I said, you know, all I felt like my only job was to put furniture together. Uh, what was that experience like for you?
2: So exciting to, third trimester, you're talking, yeah, right? Yeah. So exciting to buy, you know, some baby clothes and some cute little things. So exciting. Uh, especially if you know the sex of the baby and you really want it to be all blue or all it, pink.
1: It wasn't just fun but to buy ob was, clothes.
2: It was. <laughs> buy which clothes? Ob
1: clothes or ob- pregnancy clothes?
2: I you know I didn't even buy pregnancy clothes. You know why? Because I was like, nope, I'm not gonna do it. Right. So I bought bra extenders and I wrapped a rubber band around my button on my jeans and wore big shirts, a belly band that covered the zipper area, so I can still wear my jeans. And uh, because I fit in them otherwise, I just couldn't close them. So why would I buy new stuff, right? I don't care. I'd rather put that money into the kids' stuff, like buying this crib or buying whatever, right? Uh, But I thought it was really exciting, but it's also like, oh, God, I can't wait to get this over with. Like, I want this baby out. It's been so long already. Um, My body hurts, and I want a glass of wine, and I want all these things, and... I wanna fit in my swimsuit because it was summertime by this point. And I just <laughs> which by the way I did wear a swimsuit anyway. Um a uh, a bikini.
1: I, but, I hear about moms planning their pregnancies and oh, yeah. not wanting to be pregnant. Were you hot? Did you you know, I remember when my partner was pregnant, it was my my daughter was born in August. And I remember coming home one night and Literally just stark naked on the floor, trying to be cool, <laughs> and you know the vision will never leave my head. Um, and I understood it. And
2: you did get you have
1: did you have those feelings as well, either hot or cold? Oh, and- hot
2: all the. I mean, I naturally run hot anyway, pregnant or not. I'm hot all the time, so I was super hot. I just felt heavy. I was just so heavy. I just felt like you know the wind was always taken out of me, but I always pushed forward, so I was just constantly sweating. But I, I think it's, you know, so planning, you were saying, planning this pregnancy. Um, some people are, you know, I really want to have a... You mean uh, delivery? Sorry. Yeah. Delivery. I didn't mean to say pregnancy. Uh, delivery, planning this delivery where you're like I want a midwife or I want my OB to do this or I whatever your choice was I knew I wanted to have it in the, have my daughter in the hospital I want it to be you know the utmost care as possible and have this the best outcome and actually towards the end of my tri- my well the beginning of my third trimester I found out that my daughter was breech and I didn't know this but I was told that if you were like your if, if you were breached your child is likely to be breached as well higher percentage and I don't know why but I was breached but my luckily my mother had already two children by that point her uterus was a little bit more you know fle- flexible so I was easily turned no problem last minute my daughter on the other hand was a very very big baby um and my stomach was so tight um and I found out she was breached and I was really sad because they're like, oh, well, she can turn on her own. Just give her time, you know. Sometimes they just get stuck and then they move. So I was upside down on the couch trying to move her, you know, doing all those like, you know, fun Stand things. Standing on your head. Standing on my head. Absolutely. Yeah, putting an ice pack there so she doesn't want to go near it. Something funny like that. I don't know. End the story. It didn't work. Didn't work. So we had another appointment prepped to, to decide if I wanted to try to turn her, which sounds really funny, but literally they give you some drugs to relax your muscles and it actually doesn't feel that way. It feels like your heart rate increases and you feel panicky. But they literally have a doctor have one hand on the baby's head and one hand on the bottom area. And they literally try to rotate this feed, this baby, right? And it had is, to be scary. It was very scary because that can induce labor. So they had me hooked up to an IV just in case I needed to deliver that very moment and it's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. It could. So they also do a stress test after they're done for an hour to make sure the baby is okay. But they tried three times and it was painful. And I was super tight. You know, it's my first baby. My uterus was really, really, really tight. And it didn't work. And I remember crying, thinking, like, oh, I wanted that natural birth experience. All this rave, these moms, like, I want to give birth naturally. I want to know what it feels like. Right. And. I'm going to say right now I'm so glad it didn't happen for many reasons, and we'll talk about that later, But uh, and not just for the obvious reasons. But I, I wanted to be – I felt like I was going to be more – I feel like less of a mom if I didn't deliver naturally. So I was really upset. I had all these emotions. And uh, so we had to schedule a C-section date if she didn't turn in the last few weeks of my pregnancy. So we had that set up.
1: You mentioned that at one point, I think it was either tail end of second trimester or third trimester, you're buying all this baby stuff. Um, I remember it too, and as I said, I was the one putting it together, and it was an exciting time. But I remember feeling like everything was everywhere. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure what to do. And you're a professional organizer. How did you approach it?
2: Oh, it was so much fun. This is what I do in my spare time, guys. I love organizing okay so if you just imagine the most organized home you you hit the head right on the nail i i i loved it so much i had a checklist of sizes of things that i needed for every size and how the quantity and according to the season of when when she was going to come out so i had already planned hey if she was going to be birthed the beginning of october it was gonna be relatively warm, but we were going into fall, so I needed X amount of things in fall in winter clothes, and then so on and so forth from zero to three, three to six, etc. Um, and also it was just I, you know, I got the basic stuff. I didn't go overboard just because I I I less is more for me personally. So you have the bed, you have everything, and arranging the room, and I kind of go through my mind of this is how it's probably gonna be. So I have everything stationed appropriately, accordingly. I have the changing here, trash can there, bed here, make it easier. And I really played around with the room so much and it was a lot of fun. And some people just love having their furniture hug all the walls and outline the wall, but I had things floating in the middle of the room and it was like stations and it was beautiful. It was just awesome.
1: So, so what, my experience wasn't like that, I wish it was. <laughs> But
2: you didn't have a professional organizer. I didn't.
1: I should have hired one. Um, however, like, what are if you could give three tips to one of our listeners, you know, what would they be
2: about organizing? Yeah,
1: organizing to come home and and being ready for the baby to come home.
2: Don't overbuy. Biggest tip. That's number one. Don't okay. overbuy. So even if that means making a checklist and telling your aunts, uncles, friends, cousins to not buy a hundred of this, please don't overbuy diapers. You know. Yeah, they it's a struggle over buying that because if you have storage and you have plenty of space, like by all means, stock up on diapers because that's one thing you're going to need. But also anticipate that your size of your baby may not be the size of your baby that actually comes out. Like I have, you know, I was anticipating having a very small, not a very small baby, but a regularly average-sized baby, and I didn't. And I'm glad that I prepared for in-case situations because they'll always grow into it. Number two... I think this is really underestimated is have help set in place before you even come home so you're going to be tired you're going to be exhausted regardless of the birth your birth plan have that aunt and uncle accept the gifts from your aunt and uncle of food and helping you clean you know uh, allow help to help you I think setting that up in place, even if it's like someone making you frozen meals and putting you know, putting them in the free freezer and having them defrosted when you're home, like having meals prepped, like make sure that you're ready for what's to come and the only way you can kind of do that is to really be prepared for the unexpected and have people help you. So get food, get people like, oh, I'll babysit so you can take a nap or something along those lines. I think the third would be definitely use checklists and labels going back to what I said about checking off what I had for each size and the baby like checklists of hey did I remember to pay this bill even if you print out all of your utilities and when your mortgages due, you know make a checklist of hey we have to do this this and this Um, use labeling systems like this bin is just for washcloths, this bin is just for, you know, medicines and all that stuff. Because when you physically see it labeled, you will remember exactly where it is. Or, and
1: or, or when family members come to help you, they know too. where it is.
2: Absolutely. Because your brain is going to remember. And then your partner or the dad is going to be like, well, I don't remember where all these wipes are. And it's like, oh, I, I'm feeding the baby. I'm tired. I can't go and explain everything to you over and over again because I've definitely had that even though I have used labels. But... You want to make it easy as possible to find things. Because again, this is a new baby. Even though you have something set up in the room, doesn't mean it's going to flow as easy as you expected it to. So just try to label things, have it set up in a way that it's easy for other people to help you and remember.
1: Thinking about all three trimesters and you know what it was like, tell me one of your fondest memories. And I think it's even more important for listeners of what would you do again? One thing, what would you not do again? What's an absolute non-starter? Don't do. What would you avoid?
2: I think what I think is my, one of my fondest memories, and I I feel a lot of people share this is, you know, the moment you get to feel the baby moving, the moment you get to start to interact with it before it even comes out. So uh, I really liked as much as it was painful sometimes feeling, you know, this head poke into my lung and <laughs> this foot pushing down on my bladder, you know, it's a feeling that you I can almost not describe and something that is the most like my first bonding experience, I think is like, wow, this, this, this person's really here listening to me and bonding with me in ways that I don't even understand. And also eating a Hot Pocket with a plate on my stomach, two inches from my face, and that was a really, really great memory. Um, what about yours?
1: Um, I would agree a hundred percent, and I think it's, you know, I've said this before. As a dad, you're not experiencing, you're not feeling, you're you're seeing, but you're not feeling it. And honestly, that first time you feel the baby kick or move, is it's almost indescribable. It, I think, brings you together as a mom and a dad. And I also think it makes it really real for dad. All of a sudden, this is real. It's not just this baby that's sitting inside mom. You're now involved. So tell me about the things that, the one thing that you would do again, that you would like to tell everybody, and the one thing that you wouldn't do.
2: Really great questions. The thing, I'm going to start with the thing I didn't. I should have, I should have done, and I didn't. Um, I wish I was more open to accepting help, because I had this mindset that I could just do all of it, and I was like, no big deal. I'm used to doing everything. It's fine. I can. Do I'm not this. doing a
1: podcast with Superwoman.
2: <laughs> I, I, you get into this mindset like I just I do it anyway, like it's fine. But you end up stressing yourself out and pushing yourself to limits, and you don't need to do that. There are lots of people that are willing to help you, and even though I missed out on having the one biggest person help me, you know, my mom, and I didn't have that, I just felt even more like, I can do this. This is fine. So I wish I didn't do that. I will never – I will not do that again. I wouldn't do that again. The thing that I would do is I loved that, you know, how much I really cared about my body. I ate healthy. I exercised. I really kept going. I pushed, and I – I really maintained my energy levels, and I felt really good. And it made me emotionally more available, made me more mentally capable. I mean, I worked until like a week before I gave birth, so I was kept going. And the only way that I think really helped me do that is eating well, exercising. And again, this is not for everybody, but um, I I really focused on my diet, and I didn't overeat. And you know that eating for two thing I. You know, you really shouldn't be eating a whole lot of food. It's 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 really just a
1: teeny um, more amount more. You need more. to eat, eat to be healthy.
2: Absolutely. But not a whole two pizzas is really what we're getting at here. Um, I mean, I'll never forget when I was in grad school, I had a woman tell me, she was like, oh, I gained all this weight, but you know, the baby needed me to eat two pizzas. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, that's, that's you, that's your body. And that's definitely if that made you feel.
1: I'll take the doctor's approach. And I'm not an OB, but I can guarantee you no OB is gonna tell you to eat two pizzas. You can get hey, pregnancy induced hypertension. <laughs> <laughs> but I can say that yeah, to a new mom. I,
2: I you know, I'm telling you, watch your portions and you know, feel good from the food that you eat is really, really important. But I loved how I felt. I felt really good, energized, and very positive.
1: And it sounds like that served you well after pregnancy too.
2: Oh gosh, yeah. Absolutely. I and breastfeeding does a number of calorie burning for you too and that'll be a later discussion but i had no problem losing you know the few pounds that i gained it was it was easy peasy easy peasy and i told mine my perspective what i wouldn't do what i would do so what is yours dr chris what what do you um, think?
1: I think a couple things, and one.
2: And from a dad perspective, maybe even a doctor's perspective, we'll have three two, three perspectives here right now. What you would have well, maybe now, told?
1: Now, now you're <laughs> really pushing me.
2: Maybe what you would have told your partner, you know, if you weren't her partner.
1: If if I looked back, first and foremost, I would be a better communicator, and we've talked a little bit about that. And as a doc, I think I would tell people exactly the same thing. Um, communicate with your partner and your mental health is better. Your overall health is better. What I would not do again, clearly I would not spill the beans on what the sex of the baby is. And, you know, certainly as a, as a mom or a dad, don't do that. Um, but what I would do again is I did my best to get to all the appointments and tried to do those little things. And as you're talked about, kind of trying to see out in front and i was no super dad in any sense of the word or super partner while she was pregnant but certainly try to be there and be supportive and i think i did a good job with it during both pregnancies and just understanding just listening
2: and uh i'm I'm really glad i got that on recording about it about dr chris admitting a couple of those things so thanks for sharing um it's been really great. Uh, I, I, uh, we're coming to an end here. I really liked kind of telling the little bits about my pregnancy and just being a, you know, a mom parent in the beginning of what to expect and things I experienced, the mom club stuff, I should say that no one wanted to tell me or explain to me, you know, um, also, a experience of dealing with a tragedy in the meantime, in the middle of a pregnancy as well. And, uh, when you're already hormonal. So, um, and Dr. Chris really thanks for telling us all your tidbits about what it was like enduring a pregnancy from the the male's perspective or a dad, other partner's perspective.
1: So we want to thank everyone for listening. And, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you'll realize that we didn't talk about delivery uh, this is something we'll talk about later podcasts when we're going talk about vaginal delivery and a C-section, um, have some guests on with us that are experts. Um, in addition to Azure, who's a mom, um, we may have some other people on along the way as well. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback we'd love to hear your funny stories about pregnancy your questions about pregnancy um, and
2: maybe maybe not just that but also one thing you wouldn't you would have done that you would have done again and one thing that you would not have done
1: <laughs> and you know we've now, on our second episode, and we've done sudden infant death syndrome, we've talked about pregnancy, we're going to be going back and forth. We're going to be talking about parenting, we're talking about kids, babies, and anything really kids' health and parenting. So, if you have a specific topic that you really want us to talk about, let us know.
0: That's all for today's episode. Thank you for joining our Mom and Doc Talk. Did any questions come up while you were listening? Share your questions with Dr. Christopher and Azure by visiting www.blueemeraldwellness.com. You can also connect with them on Instagram at we Are kids health Secrets. Don't forget to rate the show on iTunes or Spotify so we can continue answering your most pressing kids' health and parenting questions. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode of Mom and Doc Talk. The content of this podcast, the opinions and information provided by the co-host and guests are for educational purposes only and should not replace the care provided by your child's physician. If you or your child is ill or having an emergency, please call 911 or seek care immediately.